This episode was recorded on the country of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I would like to pay my respect to Elders past and present. The Wurundjeri people take their name from the word Warren, meaning the manicum, and Jerry, the grub which is found in or near the tree. Wurundjeri are the Wichity grub people and their ancestors have lived on this country for millennia. Welcome to Weekend Birder. I'm your host, Kirsty Costa. Our guest is Liz Hackett, and she is here to tell us about how she practices mindfulness while birdwatching. And she's also going to share her tips for birdwatching in the Royal Botanic Gardens in the centre of Melbourne. But first, here is how it all began for Liz. Oh gosh, around uh, 2007, I did a trip to Antarctica and it was, you know, a life-changing trip. And I realised that I loved albatross because I saw them all the time. And then I got much more into birding after that. And uh, my spark bird was a silver gull. Um, it was the bird that I thought, oh, why is, the, why is that one different from that one? And I looked it up and went and bought myself a field guide and discovered that it was a juvenile silver gull and that's why it looked different from the other one. That sort of got me started. And then about a year later, I, I met... Um, my my soulmate Paul, and he was a bird watcher, so um, it just took off from there. Really, uh, my darling Paul started Melbourne birding tours as well, um, so that was his his business, and he was a professional bird watcher, <laughs> just one the best job ever. Um, and so I helped him a lot with his business as well. So it was really got me more into the birding community and the birding world, and I learnt so much along the way. Uh, I do tell this story quite often is that our third date was to the Western Treatment Plant and, <laughs> and I survived and I think I passed the test. So yeah, so that was pretty funny. Two significant events changed the course of Liz's life and have affected the way that she thinks about birdwatching. 2019, I lost my darling Paul in an accident and I will get emotional. Uh, he was my, my soulmate. A year later, we didn't know what happened, 2020. Uh, I was in lockdown in Melbourne with millions of others and grieving. So, you know, terrible combination. And the visits to the Royal Botanic Gardens, which I live near, in Melbourne, uh, allowed me to connect with the birds and with nature. And I felt more connected to Paul. I changed the way I birded when during that time. I, I slowed down. And I didn't concentrate as much on logging every bird or trying to get to a certain number of birds every time I went there. And although I, I love a bird and I fully am into the citizen science of it, I, I stopped saying, oh, I've got to get 30 birds every time I go to the gardens. Um, it was more about listening and, and going slow and, and actually stopping to, to watch, you know, what the Australasian swamp hens were doing and the way they picked the the grass up in their in their claws and <laughs> and how they and sort of little things like that. And then I thought, I wonder if mindful birding is a thing. So I googled it, and yeah, it's a thing. Uh, it's there's a whole mindful birding network um, that started in the US and it's now a worldwide network. I joined that and I join in with their Zoom catch ups every 
about every two months as much as I can. Um, they, they're they in the middle of the day for us Aussies, so I try and catch up um, or watch a recording when I can. But the whole thing about mindful birthing really resonated with me. And then I, although I do have a life list and I'm very proud of my life list, I don't rush around thinking, uh, do I really have to go and rush around and see that bird? Mm, no. Is it is it great to just look at them and watch them and appreciate them in the moment? Yeah. Mindful birding is when you are aware and tuned in to the present moment with birds. I'm going to give you the guiding principles of mindful birding. Uh, it's an awareness of being in the moment with the birds. It's an intention to turn our attention to birds and nature for self-care, uh, which obviously was extremely important for me and for so many others during the COVID lockdowns. It's being without judgment in order to allow an experience of what it will be and not disappointed by what happens or what doesn't happen. So so not judging people if they don't have the right binoculars or don't judge people if they haven't seen a particular bird in a particular spot. Just, just enjoy what you're seeing at that time. And it's also a, an exploration of your own curiosity and wonder and the awness and experiencing awe of, of birds and nature. When I was walking around the gardens during lockdown and, and, and now, um, and I always wear my binoculars all the time, everywhere I go, I put them on when I walk at the door. And I think that's really important. This is a bit of a side note, is that to, you know, to let people know that, that birding is a real and popular thing. And um, the more people see people with binoculars around, they think, oh, birding, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, I think that's really important. Because I wear my binoculars a lot, uh, people would always come up to me and say, oh, what are you doing and what are you seeing? And, oh, they always have a story. They would always have a story of, oh, when I was in lockdown and I looked out and I was stuck in my garden and I saw these birds and what was it and it looked like this and it was always pretty impossible to pick what bird it was. <laughs> but there was just this increased awareness of nature because of that time. I wanted to try and encourage that more and, and particularly the, the mindfulness of it because it helped me so much and I thought um, because mental illness and, and mental health awareness is so much better now and we're more aware, aware of how we are. There's so many studies now that say the connection with nature helps in that respect. Birding, you can do it anywhere. You can walk out the door and you can do it. Yeah, so that's why I love mindful birding. There is actually a lot of research coming out about the positive impact that nature has on our mental and our physical health. One of the most recent was a study testing the impact of birdsong. 295 online participants were randomly given either birdsong or traffic noise recordings to listen to. They self-assessed their emotional state before and after listening to each recording. Participants reported improved mental well-being after listening to birdsong, especially if they listened to a range of birds they reported decreased mental well-being after listening to traffic. There is also research published in the Journal of Environmental Psychology that found that listening to birdsong contributed to participants' attention restoration and their stress recovery. Links to this research can be found in the show notes. Liz has enjoyed mindful birding so much that she now teaches others how to do it. I, I joined the Friends of the Garden program, the membership program, and, and the the activities they had were fantastic, but it was all about plants. And, you know, it's a botanic garden, so obviously that's really relevant. I was thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of amazing bird life in the garden, so I bet that might be a thing. So I approached them and, and said to them, you know, I'd be willing to 
to volunteer to do all, a monthly walk and it's a slow walk for anyone at any level. So absolutely brand new to birding or experts or whoever. And the good thing about the gardens is that they're very accessible. They're in the middle of the city. We can just go slow. We see what we see. We're allowed to talk. I do sometimes I'll, I'll get everyone to close their eyes and just listen and connect in and, and ask them to see how many different types of bird calls they can hear. Not to identify them, but just try and identify the number. I think that's an important thing about mindful birding. It's just not about identifying every single species immediately. And I think that's the good thing about mindful birding is that it is, I think, more accessible for new birders who may get a little overwhelmed when they think they have to know everything about every single bird and they have to know every single call. There is quite a few different levels of mindful birding. Some people don't use binoculars and I try and point out the birds as much as I can for people who don't have them and sometimes I'll take a photo of the scene and I'll blow it up for them and say, that okay, the bird's in there, that's where you've sort of got to try and look. And the walks have been really popular. I've had a lot of return people. One of the things I do point out at the start of my walks is that I'm not an ornithologist. I don't have a degree in ecology. I'm passionate. I have really good knowledge of the birds in the gardens and where they are because I'm, I'm there pretty much every weekend. I don't know every species. I don't know every plumage variation. <laughs> so they don't feel like they have to know everything because I don't know everything. Almost every year around November, December, I get asked, oh, I heard this bird call. And I'd say, yeah, it's a coel. <laughs> and they'd say, how do you know without even... Uh, yeah, it happens every single year. Oh, and sure enough, if they record the call and play it, it's a coel. If you would like to learn more about how to communicate about birds to other people, I also highly recommend Weekend Birder episode 18 with Dr Jen Martin. The Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne is on Wurundjeri country and a short walk or tram ride away from the CBD. It extends over 38 hectares and includes manicured open lawns, garden beds with over 8,500 species of plants and lots of old trees. There are quite a few different habitats that have also been established. On the southern border, there is the Australian rainforest area and there is a big lake on the northern side. Liz has seen a wide variety of birds take up residency in the gardens or visit as part of their migration. Quite a good variation of bird species that come in and out of the gardens over the year. The fullest species on eBird is about 135, uh, 45 rather. But the common species you see, there's probably around 50 to 60 that come in and out during the year. With the lake, you do get some great um, waterfowl and the cormorants that come in and out. And occasionally you get some really interesting flyovers. I got a witch-tailed eagle about two weeks ago, so that was pretty exciting. <laughs> the, the noisy miners went completely nuts and I thought, okay, what's going on? <laughs> And looked up, and sure enough, so a wedge-tailed eagle. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, there's some some lovely young birds that come in and out of the garden. So I got a, a scarlet robin a couple of months ago, which was completely um, out of the blue. The Australian data is there um, pretty regularly, uh, but they're such a magnificent bird, and everyone says, "What on earth is that?" <laughs> and the call they make is quite incredible. Every time I go to the gardens, I learn something new. That's the fabulous thing about it. I do try to find the tawny frog mouths in the gardens. They're, they're usually around, but, you know, with 
thousands of trees in the gardens. It's hard to find them. I have discovered their roosting tree, which they've been hanging out in for about four years now. So uh, when I can show my bird walk guests that, they get so excited. So they're super excited about that. Uh, I ran my bird walk yesterday. We got collared sparrowhawks, which was pretty amazing. Um, and it was right near where I meet my guests for the start of the walk. And I said to them, okay, first bird, <laughs> look up there. <laughs> There's two of them. And they were in the same tree that I saw them last year. Number one, uh, copulating, which is <laughs> quite extraordinary. And two, they were nest building. So I'm assuming they were in exactly the same tree yesterday. So I'm assuming they're, they're looking at building a nest again. And I think people are just unaware of those are the kind of birds that are around the city. One of the birds that has really captured Liz's curiosity is the Nankeen night heron. These large birds live throughout eastern and northern Australia and in the western half of Western Australia. So the Nankeen night herons, they come into the gardens, well, they're, they're kind of there all year round, but they're mainly in the wintertime. They seem to flock more into the gardens. They're sometimes hard to find because they do tend to perch either very quite high in trees that are overhanging the water around the lake or in the foliage right down at the water's edge so they're looking for the fish. They're about 55, 65 centimetres, so about half a metre. They've got a black cap and they have cinnamon and rusty brown back and with sort of like a cream front. And the cream front is a great way of finding them because that stands out more than their, their brown on the back. When they're in amongst the foliage, they can be really hard to find. Uh, particularly the juveniles, and they must breed in the gardens because I've seen quite a few juveniles in there, and they're super hard to find once they're in the foliage because they're very mottled brown and white. In the breeding season, they have these two or three ornamental feathers that come uh, extending from the back of the head, and they're white. And they're quite often in groups of up to about eight. I've seen like eight in the same tree. <laughs> There's a particular... Motten Bay fig in the gardens that they just love. Um, I've found at least eight of them just hanging out all together in the same tree. They like being on the northern side areas so that they get the sun. They seem to like sitting in the sunshine. I do play a bit of a game with myself to see how many Yankees I can see in the gardens. <laughs> but I don't stress out about it if I don't see them. <laughs> if I get one, I'm happy. So, yeah, they're super cool birds. And occasionally you see them flying across the lake because of their size and their very distinct sort of flight pattern. Oh, owl is an ankeen. So it's great when that happens when, during my bird walks. In the show notes, you will find a link to the eBird list for Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne, so you can read what birds have been seen there. When Liz is able to get out of Australia, she loves visiting Stewart Island in New Zealand. I've never heard of this birdwatching hotspot before. Let's find out more. So Stewart Island is the third island of New Zealand. It's not as big as the other two, but it's a decent size. It's mainly a national park. About 98% of it's national park, so it's off the southern coast of the South Island. I love the cold. I, the windier, the rainier, and the wind blowing, like, I love that. Um, hence why I loved Antarctica. <laughs> so it was actually when I went came back from my Antarctic trip, I came back into Invercargill, and then I got the ferry um, bluff in the bottom of New Zealand over to Stewart Island for a couple of days because I'd heard about this place and I just fell in love with it. It's amazing for birding. There's some iconic bird species there. The Saddleback, the South Island Robins, the Stewart Island Shags uh, and, of course, Kiwis. I did one of the uh, nighttime Kiwi tours where you go down on the beach and you see them on the beach. It was a very David Attenborough moment for me. 
there's an island that's part of the island group called Olver Island, and that's completely predator-free. So they've got rid of all everything, rats, everything off that. Um, and that's an amazing bird sanctuary. So if you're ever going to Stewart Island, make sure you get to Olver Island, which is just just near the little coastal town, and Albatross. So I've been there three times, I think, and one of them was for one of my, my birthdays, and one of the on my birthday, we did a pelagic trip where we saw shies, bullers, southern royals. So I was surrounded by albatross on my birthday. So that was like the best day ever. <laughs> so, and it's wild and it's it's quiet and it's just, I just love it. I just love it. The Maori name for the island, which I can't remember off the top of my head, means um, the southern lights because it's fantastic for the southern lights too, if you're interested in that. Birdwatching, whether it be in the form of a mindful slow walk or a more traditional bird count, is something that supports Liz's mental and physical health. I love the connection with nature. I love uh, being able to slow down, having an activity that connects me with amazing people, educating people about birds. I love the connection that that obviously it has with my darling Paul. The fact that I can do it anyway. I'm never bored. That's a fantastic thing. Many thanks to Liz for sharing her big heart and big smarts with us. The show notes for this episode have links to the Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne website if you would like to attend one of Liz's walks. And many thanks to the legends who have left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You are really helping to put Weekend Birder on the podcast map. 